Welcome to the Fast God Stuff Podcast, where we make biblical theology simple, practical, and fun so that we can love God and others more. My name is Conrad, and I have a dachshund named Brutus. And I'm Jesse, and one time I set myself on fire using a leaf blower. A leaf? What? (laughs) We'll have to hear about that later. We're just two guys trying to follow Jesus, hanging out in the studio with our Bibles and guitars. We take just 30 minutes Files. to chat about a theological topic Gog. and renew our minds with the good things of Christ. Stop. It's fast got stop. So Conrad, what are we talking about today? Today we're going over what does a Joel Osteen sermon sound like? Yeah, what does a Joel Osteen a sermon sound like? Oh, what does a Joel Osteen? Sermon so we're just going to listen to a Joel Osteen sermon straight through and pausing and commenting every once in a while. So Jesse, why are we listening to this? Well, so many people now have heard of Joel Osteen. He's a common household name. He's an accomplished author, but seldom has anybody really listened to what he has to say. So we want to give people that chance today. Okay, great. So he meets in Houston, Texas, in this giant place that used to be the Compact Center. Houston, Texas, right here at Lakewood. We'd love to have you come out. I like to start with something funny. He always starts off with a joke, but that's what he does. Love a good joke. Yeah. So he knows what he's doing. He's a good, good speaker. Okay. So I'll quickly sum up prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel, at its heart, makes God the source and means to our idolatry. It does so first by making God the source of our our idolatry by falsely claiming that our dreams and desires are actually promises from God. This will actually be the very first thing that you hear. Um, Then our desires end up being defined by temporal earthly, earthly things like money and health and stuff like that. And since they say that our dreams are from God, they make God the means to our idolatry, to our dreams, through a false faith defined as positive thinking. So that's really kind of... Um, prosperity gospel at its heart. And it's good to know those things up front because you can be listening for them in the sermon that he's about to preach. So let's listen in on how he begins his sermon. Say it like you mean it. This is my Bible. Yeah, so you'll notice right away that um, he has everyone raise up their Bibles and he's saying all this stuff is from the Bible. Right. And just because you pick up your Bible and wave it around doesn't mean that you're safe from taking everything that you're about to say out of context. And true worship always begins with God. This, as you noticed in the prayer, is all person-centered. It's, Mm -hmm. I will never be the same. I will be who it says that I am. So it's focusing on the person rather than on God himself. So he's going to start his sermon here, and he actually right away gives you the basis of prosperity gospel. And he does this subtle shift. He says that our dreams are essentially promises from God. I want to talk to you today about seeing to the promise. All of us have things we're believing for, dreams we want to accomplish. Okay, dreams here. Problems we're hoping will turn around. Here it comes. We know God put the promise in our heart. There it is, right there. We don't see how it can happen. Bingo. So notice what he did there. He said that any dreams that you have are not only from God, but they are actually promises from God. And notice he doesn't distinguish between godly dreams and idolatrous dreams. Right. The absolute basis of prosperity gospel. So now he has made God the source of our idolatry. And then now he goes on to define what God's promises slash our dreams slash idols are. Maybe the medical report's not good. Child is off course. We don't have the funds we need. Doesn't seem possible. So notice he just listed a couple idols right away. One of them is bodily comfort and the other one is money. 
And now some of these things are things that we could actually pray for if we had the proper motive. Right. And the proper motive is to pray for God's will, which is, one, will this prayer request make me more like Christ? And two, will this prayer request help me love God and others more? That's God's will. So notice Joel Osteen doesn't get you to pray for God's will. He's getting you to pray for your will. Right. So we have created an idle scorecard, <laughs> which we will be using throughout this entire sermon to score how many times he addresses health, money, promotion, success, and family, all of which are good things, but he's making them out to be God things. This is the way the Israelites felt in Numbers 21. They were in the desert. It was hot. They were tired and thirsty, but all they could see was more sand, more rocks, more barrenness. So here's another trick that Joel uses, and that is to take the scripture completely out of context. And proof of that is... Yeah, he didn't even read it. And since he doesn't, we're going to read it for you so you can actually get the proper setting. Mm -hmm. So this is from Numbers chapter 21, verse 16. And from there, the Israelites continued to beer, that is the well of which the Lord said to Moses, gather the people together so that I may give them water. Then Israel sang this song, spring up a well, sing to it, the well that the princes made, that the nobles of the people dug, with a scepter and with their staffs. So you'll notice how Joel Osteen just makes up a bunch of stuff. And because he didn't actually read this passage, everyone just kind of goes along with it and trusts him that this is straight from the Bible. Just when they thought they were done, they came to this place where there was an old well. I can imagine they were excited, thinking finally we're going to get some water. They rushed over to it, but the well was dry. Like, none of this is in the Bible. Listen to this. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, gather the people together so that I may give them water. And then they sang some song. And in the previous chapter, they were completely complaining about being in the desert, and God still gave them water anyways. And he was going to give them water. God gave them the promise. Water is coming in the desert. Things are about to turn around. I'm going to do something out of the ordinary. That he did not say. But the promise didn't automatically come to pass. It didn't happen just because God said it. Uh, A promise is you say it and you do it. The scripture says they begin to sing this song, spring up, oh well. This is already after God said, I will give them water. Right. So you notice what he does is he conflates the behavior of the Israelites as if they had to meet some kind of rule or do something on their own to meet the expectation that God already said he would do it on his own. Okay, so we're just going to skip forward a little bit because he kind of keeps on going in circles here. Out of that dried up, empty well, they saw the promise fulfilled. There are promises God has put in you. Oh, there it is again, the basis for a prosperity gospel. Promises God put in you. And those promises, he's going to soon say, are exactly what God wants to bring to pass. So whatever you feel like is your dream, that is in fact your right to claim that from God. And the way to claim it from God is to have a false faith, because true faith is walking in loving obedience to God's word. A false faith is human-based positive thinking. So since it's positive thinking, he just goes, oh, all you had to do that is beat doubt. Every circumstance may say it's not going to happen. Doubt. You'll never get well. Oh, going back You'll to idols. You'll never meet the right person. Romance. You'll never accomplish that dream. Success. It's been a long time. You feel like you're in a drought. You have to do like them and sing to Okay, the so basically he just said, get your over your friends, doubt, which is really just positive thinking. And then now he eventually equates positive thinking with actual true biblical faith. Doesn't take any faith to sing after the water shows up. It's easy to sing once the promise is fulfilled. Okay, wait, wait, wait. So now he's mixing himself up. He's saying it's easy to sing after you get the promise, but 
He was just saying that you have to sing to get to the promise. Right. And notice he's also throwing separate words around and hoping that you'll think it's the same thing. Positive thinking, faith, praise, thanks, singing. But the singing, the praise is what causes healing to spring up. Bodily comfort. Abundance to spring up. Success. Breakthroughs to spring up. Success. And sometimes we're waiting on God, but God is waiting on us. So I guess there's all these times where we could be in a better place. We could have a bigger family and a fatter wallet, but God's waiting for us to do something. So we hold God captive. Why don't you start calling out those promises Uh he's put in you? There we go. Promises he put in you. So any of the idols that you have, he's saying that God is the source of those idols. Yes. Not, Not only the source, but he's promised you these idols. Right. He's legitimizing them completely. So he's making this claim that not only can we save ourselves, and we're not saving ourselves from God's judgment, from, but from a lack of success in life. So sin is actually failing to live up to your full potential rather than realizing uh, yeah. that you are a sinner in the hands of an angry God. Right. And Joel Osteen basically has to hide the fact that we have sin because it's incompatible with having these dreams that are from God. Because if we have sin, then dreams that we have might not be from God. So he has to minimize sin and basically pretend it doesn't exist. If you're dealing with an illness, instead of complaining, spring up, oh healing. Bodily comfort. Lord, thank you that you're restoring health back into me. Bodily comfort. Thank you that the number of my days you will fulfill. You don't have the funds you need. Money. Spring up abundance. Spring up promotion. Promotion. Spring up opportunity. Father, thank you that I will lend and not borrow. Again, make it happen yourself. Don't borrow money. Lend money because you say you want to. (laughs) Been single a long time. Romance. Believing for a spouse. Spring up, oh good-looking husband. Spring up, oh good-looking husband. Throw a couple adjectives in there. You're believing for children. Spring up, oh Family can be an idol. Spring up, offspring. Father, you said my seed would be mighty in the land. You said children are a gift from the Lord. So, Father, thank you. Do we even need to look up those passages to see how out of context (laughs) they are? But do you see how he's taking something that is true, that is scriptural, and he's misappropriating it at a moment of high emotionalism and getting Mm -hmm. everybody charged up over it? So dangerous. Well-known business leaders told us that we would So here's a major technique that Joel Osteen uses. The Bible tells us that God wants us to seek wisdom. However, what Joel Osteen does is he inserts these one-in-a-million type stories where someone went against wisdom and still got their idol and then attributes that getting the idol to a positive thinking when it really could just be attributed to anything else. Tell it to spring forth. All the forces of darkness cannot stop you. God has the final say. When he uh, who has the final wait, wait say? A second. Wait, wait a second. That seems to go against everything you said yeah. so far. I thought we have the final say. While you're still in a drought. Declaring his favor when the odds are against you, he'll make things happen that you could never make happen. He'll open doors that no man can shut. Except for everyone without faith. Okay, we can skip this part because he's just, again, he just tells his one in a million type story for a long time. With every step, we so I think by. now would be a good time to go to our idle scorecard. That's perfect, Conrad. Thank you. So, so far in the idle scorecard, we have a grand total of 22 idols mentioned, often in rapid succession. And the winner so far at this point in the sermon is family with a grand eight, success with five, money and finance with three, and health with six. I- I'm rooting for health. Health is gonna win. No way. I'm going success all the way. There are goals God has put in you. Said it again. Dreams. How many healing, times is he going to do that? Promotion. 
restoration. They're lying dormant. So here he made God the source of your idols by promising you them, and then you have to have enough positive thinking so that God can give you these idols. So he also makes God the means to your idols. You have to start calling them out. Healing, spring up in me. Uh, another idol. Talent, spring up Talent. in me. Talent. Good relationships. I don't know where to put joy, that. peace, spring up. Success, maybe. All through the day. Lord, thank you that my healing is coming. Bodily comfort. Thank you that good breaks are on the way. Relationships. Thank you that divine connections. Relationships. Right people are in His whole future. sermon, he just keeps repeating you these idols. Sick, you can health. sing your way to hell. So let's think about that for a second. He's saying you can literally make yourself better by singing about it, willing it with your mind and your voice. Right. Having enough positive thinking allows God to keep his promise. Right. I got passed over for the big promotion. Promotion again. The medical report says I'm not going to make it. Well, you don't even need a doctor. You just need faith, right? I don't think I'll ever break it. That's exactly where the Israelites were. What? What? Addictions? <laughs> yeah. Discouraged. But they I'm so addicted to, to this water to because I'm thirsty. I'm so addicted to the wilderness. They dared to thank God for provision when it looked foolish. Every voice may tell you it's not going to happen. Okay, so you need you positive thinking. Right. And say, spring up healing. More of this. Spring up new levels. Spring up promotion. He's proving for Don't us that this is all about, about idolatry. Sing to the promise. And even when you're singing to the promise, you're not singing to God. You're singing to the gift itself. Yeah. He's basically saying, sing for the idol. Right. This is not worship of God. It's worship of the things that are good that God gives you. And on top of this, we haven't even heard Joel Osteen bring up the name of Christ once. I talked to a young man. He came from a small town uh -oh. in Mississippi. A one in a million type story. So we're going to skip the full extent of this story, but you should know that it goes on for over three minutes. So three minutes of telling this particular story when he really could be expounding on the scriptures, which is really a primary concern here, or it should be at least. Yeah, three minutes out of a 25-minute sermon. So basically, it's this huge story about how some soccer kid got into the NFL. That's never kicked a field goal in college, doesn't have the qualifications, the experience, the resume, make it to the highest level, the NFL, that's God bringing water out of an empty well. That's God making streams. Uh, Conrad, I just want to light my guitar on fire yeah. after hearing that, honestly, because this is so damaging. What he's done is created this really big emotional story with really unique circumstances. Mm -hmm. And he's basically superimposed that on everybody and said, this could be you. If, if you are in a situation that's life or death, this could be, you could turn around in an instant. If you have no job and you do nothing and just sing to the promise, you could be like this kid who never kicked a field goal in his life and somehow is on an NFL team. Yeah. And notice what he did is he swapped out God's real promises for this one in a million type story. So he's not giving Bible verses. He's not giving you an actual promise that God gave you, such as all things will work together for the good of them that love God and who are called according to his purpose. But he just gives you these stories in place of the Bible. So what's happened here is that all of the gravity is lost in the prosperity gospel. So Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. And that's the promise that Joel is failing to give us. That's what happens when you sing to the promise. Not complain about the drought. So notice he starts with, complain okay, don't complain, which is fine. But then he equates it with not having doubt and then positive thinking and then faith. You have to do like him when the odds are against you. When it looks impossible, but you don't replace you complaining breaks, with positive say, thinking or idols. 
What God wants you to do, actually, is replace your complaining with thankfulness to Him because He's trying to make you more like Christ through the trial. James 1, 2-4 and Romans 5, 3-5. See, when the Israelites sang, Spring up, O well, they couldn't see water, they couldn't taste water. He's making this up. This we is, don't know. Yeah, we they don't know this part. Water. There was no reason, logically speaking, for them to believe that water was around. Wait, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> <laughs> right in the chapter right before, God brought water out of a rock. Right. One side deliverance that we're talking about, they saw with their eyes. And actually, this whole section is the exact opposite of what he's trying to say, because what we see in these chapters is we see Israel rebelling over and over and over, yet God still delivers them. God is faithful when we are faithless which is the exact opposite of what Joel Osteen preaches. Shocker. If you just go by what you see and feel and think, you'll talk yourself out of it. That's why the scripture says, walk by faith and not by sight. If the <laughs> Israelites would have looked at it in the natural, um, <laughs> instead of singing, spring up, oh okay, well, wait a second. they would have sang. And notice, really, all Joel Osteen has to do is find any verse with the word faith, and then restrict it to like three words. Right. And then he's go, oh, it's from the Bible. He's dressed it up to meet his own needs and made it dance. Only temporary. I know water is on the way. Spring up, oh well. I know Spring idols are on the victory. way. Spring up abundance. Okay, so this next part, Spring he's going to use a true Spring Bible verse faith. and take it out of context and misuse it. The scripture says it's not going to happen by our might. Idols aren't going to happen our by power, our might, by our by power. The but the Spirit will give you your idols. God is not limited by the natural. He's limited by what we believe. What? <laughs> what? What? This is crazy. Okay, we're going to replay it again. God is not limited by the natural. He's limited by what we believe. So it's not just limiting God. We actually end up controlling him. He is your personal shopper. When you start singing to the promise, believing oh, that he's he can back make to this stuff again in the desert, thanking him for what he Like seriously, this heart, is his sermon. God he has one thing that he wants to say. Which is how use positive heard. thinking to make God do what do you want. Right. And I'm just going to go over it a thousand times. It's a merry-go-round of idolatry and singing to it. Yeah. So note, just this is kind of why we wanted you guys to listen to one of these sermons, because you pretty much get the point at this, at this point, because he just says one thing and then repeats it over and over and over. He didn't say sing because God gave you the baby. Sing because you saw the promise turned around. This text was written to women who were barren. Are we even going to believe that? Back in the that? Bible days, if a lady didn't uh -oh. give her husband a child, Bible she was looked down on. They lived with a sense of shame. That's why you read about people like Hannah. She okay, so, so now he's taking a passage out of the Bible and trying to take to something that's a good thing, family, and he's turning it into an idol, and then ultimately says, if you don't have kids, it's your fault. And if you feel guilty about that, well, you just have to have more hope. You just have to have more faith. He was writing to people who were barren. No, the Isaiah passage was talking about the nation of Israel. Believing for their healing. More idols. Hoping to meet the right person. Romance. Praying that the business would turn around. Success, more idols. What are you supposed to do when you're barren? Beg God to help you? So he just added this into right. the list Live of discouraged because life hasn't dealt you a fair hand. No, Isaiah said, sing when you're barren. Look Break how he's just taking this verse completely out of context. Praise is the birth position. 
Did you get that, Conrad? Praise is the birth position. Okay. That is the principle he spent all this time building up to is that praise is the birth position. Again, if you would do something, God must follow through and do something for you in return. And he keeps on just mixing up words. Faith, praise, thanks, positive thinking. Lord, I know you haven't brought me this far to leave me. So thank you for new levels. Multi-level marketing. He'll bless your multi-level marketing business. You've created me to be. In the prosperity gospel, suffering is this hurdle that's meant to be cleared as quickly as possible. You want to get suffering out of the way of your life. It's a hindrance. It actually removes and destroys your productivity. But in the gospel, we find that Jesus is well acquainted with suffering, Mm -hmm. that we serve a suffering savior, that God leans in very close to pain and to grief, and that he sent his son and put him not at arm's length so he could snatch him up real quick when harm befell him, Mm -hmm. but so that he might have the full human experience. And in the same way, God gives us sometimes grief and pain and suffering so that we might be sanctified and more like him. It's a gift. It's not something to get rid of. Yeah, so Joel Osteen wants you to run away from suffering, but listen to this in James 1, 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Perfect like Christ is basically what this is trying to say. So just like how a coach or personal trainer puts you through physical suffering, like running laps and lifting weights and makes you tired and makes your body suffer to grow you, God is the same way, but in a spiritual sense. So all this spiritual exercise we interpret as suffering so that God can make us more like Christ. If we don't have patience, then we go through some trials that grow our patience. If we don't have self-control, then we go through trials that grow our self-control. And all these things, all the fruit of the Spirit are things that Christ has that God is trying to grow us, grow in us through spiritual exercise, which is also called suffering. So if you notice, Christ died for our sins so that we can become saved so that God could grow us into the image of Christ. So Christ is not only our goal, but he is also the means to our goal of being like Christ. The problem is that Joel Osteen isn't really giving you the good news, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of repentance and the forgiveness of sins. He should be promising you the one thing that a pastor can, and that's the free gift of salvation and eternal life through faith in Jesus. But instead, he's just puffing you up with false dreams of worldly success. Yeah, and not not just false dreams, but also a false hope, because basically this false faith is placed in a false God, which gives you a false hope. Now, God commands us to seek wisdom when trying to make decisions. But what Joel Osteen does is just say, well, forget about that and just keep on having hope, this false hope, forever and ever and ever and get rid of doubt no matter how long it takes. And this is a little bit later in the sermon, and you'll notice how he does three things here. He mentions how your idols are from God, and then don't use wisdom, just have an endless false hope, even up to 20 years. And then he follows up with a one in a million type story to try to prove his point. In the same way, the seed God put in you may not have come to pass yet, but the good news is it's still alive. You may have to water it for another month, a year, or 20 years, But if you'll keep watering that seed, thanking God for the promise, at the appointed time, it will come to pass. And that's what this couple did for many years. Okay, so we're going to stop it right there because there's still like eight or nine more minutes of how he just kind of cycles through all these exact same things. So we'll go to our idle scorecard and we'll just cut it off here and let's see who came out on top. 
Me with health and you had success? Success. Okay, let's go to the idol scoreboard. So you remember, Conrad, that we had five idols on our scoreboard today. Health, money, and finance, promotion, success, and family. Mm -hmm. And you want to guess which one came in last? Last. Um, Promotions? So money and finance actually came in last really? in fifth place with three, which just goes to show you that the prosperity gospel isn't exclusively about making money an idol. Mm-hmm. There's all these other things we've talked about as well. So in fourth place is promotions with eight. In third place is success with 11. In second place with health is 14. Ah, You're the big winner. Ah, I beat you. And number one idol of Joel Olstein in this particular sermon, singing to the promise, is family with 15. Ah. So if you're keeping score at home, while you've been just listening to the clips that we've been playing, there were 61 mentions of different idols. And he still had eight or nine more minutes to go. So if we kept that going, he probably would have crossed 100. I believe, TikTok, the idols don't stop. And with not one mention of Jesus Christ. So Jesse, um, after listening to this whole sermon, what are some applications that you can give our audience? So here's the first thing that we should all do as Christians is take time to evaluate what a good pastor does with God's word. Mm -hmm. So Joel Osteen takes Bible verses completely out and purposefully out of context. But a real pastor dedicates himself to studying the Bible and then carefully and faithfully explaining it in its own context. And he will often say, you're sensible people, go pull up the scriptures and test this for yourselves. Mm -hmm. The second thing we can do that's like that to help us is listen to really good pastors. And in this day and age, one of the great ways you can do that is by listening to podcasts. Yeah. Yep. Not that you need another podcast because this one should satisfy all of your hopes and dreams. Oh, exactly. But if you want another one, one that I would recommend is Alistair Beggs, who is a great and excellent pastor. His podcast is called Truth for Life Mm -hmm. and it's him preaching and it's absolutely fantastic. In fact, you should go listen to that to one of his podcasts, Truth for Life, right after this one to compare it and contrast it to what you've just heard from Joel. That, that's a really good idea. Okay, so Jesse, what is your final takeaway after listening to a prosperity gospel sermon? So one of the things that we've discovered today by listening to Joel, hearing his own words, is that he's missing the theology of the cross. Mm-hmm. And instead, he's focusing on something Martin Luther, the great reformer, called the theology of glory. And that is all about how can I climb the ladder and attain the glory here and now that God has actually promised for us after a life of suffering. So he's flipped it on its head and using emotionalism and really clever speech and the cadence of his voice, he's tried to convince us that it's better to ask for idols now than to spend eternity forever with God. Right. So to sum up this entire podcast, the reason why we had you listen to a Joel Osteen sermon is so that we could give you a tool to lovingly interact with those who have fallen for the prosperity gospel. The foundation of prosperity gospel is saying that our dreams are promises from God. By doing so, it mistakenly says our will is God's will. And since the Bible tells us to pray for God's will, God is bound to grant his will, which is actually our will in disguise. This happens mainly because most Christians cannot articulate God's will, much less pray for it, much less tell others, such as non-Christians, or prosperity gospel followers, what God's will is. So I'll sum up God's will in one word, sanctification. Now, this is just a fancy word that means becoming more like Christ. So God both causes and permits events that make you more like Christ. And just like an earthly coach who makes his team run laps to get stronger, God causes us to go through spiritual exercise to become like the greatest spiritual athlete ever, Christ. 
The more we embrace these exercises, these trials, and these sufferings, the more we can grow the character of Christ. And when we have the character of Christ, we can better obey God's will, which is what Christ summed up as love God and love others. So be ready at all times to tell yourself, spouse, kids, other believers, and non-Christians what God's will is. So let us all embrace spiritual trials so that we can be more like Christ, so that we can love God and others more. That is all the time that we have for today. So sad. Make sure you subscribe and rate the Fast God Stuff podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you like to podcast. Also, check out FastGodStuff.com for all kinds of content that will help you get a good-looking husband. Until next time, love God. Love others. That's that's it. it. Two, three, four, thanks for listening.